Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we hit the fan on this uh, Monday evening, the 27th day of the month of April. Where did April go? Well, we all know where it went. Hopefully May's a little bit better. We'll just keep our fingers crossed. Uh, I just heard that uh, Susan and John have Joe Girardi at 630, so you can look forward to that as they bring another Yankee game this evening. Uh, that coming up later on uh, on the fan right after we finish. A couple of things here. Number one, um, I saw the... Uh, one part of the uh, Jordan thing last night, I didn't see the other part because I watched Homeland. It was the last Homeland, and I've always been a Homeland person. Now, Homeland wasn't great uh, this year. Matter of fact, it hasn't been great the last couple of years because as what happens with those classic shows, and Homeland's in the prime was not only one of the great shows of all time, Carrie Matheson's one of the great characters in the history of American television. She, she was that good, I mean, she was that brilliant. Uh, but the show, obviously which had some great characters through the years, whether you're talking about Brody or Quinn. And, you know, Saul was always a great character. But even the last episode disappointed me a little bit. But, hey, it won a great last year. The ending was what it was. You know, they got through it without killing Saul or her off, which is what you were going to have to do. You had to give up something, so you gave up Carrie being recognized as a spy, even though if you know Carrie, you know that in her heart of hearts, she could never be a spy. She could never be flipped. She was that patriotic. So if you knew anything about her, through all her craziness, through all the things that were part of her bipolar existence, you knew that she could never, ever do anything against her country. So the fact that she sent Saul the message in the book, a book about her having, you know, become a, you know, Russian sympathizer, which wasn't true, and she figured out a way to keep Saul alive, which is what she wanted to do at the end, um, was okay. Now, Billion starts this week, so I'm on the Billions. Um, I did see the saga of the Bulls finally beating the Pistons, and I lived that. And 
going from the Pippin migraine to the way the Bulls used to beat up, uh, beat up all of them, but especially beat up Grant and Pippin and intimidate them, which they did until they couldn't intimidate them anymore. And Sally said it perfectly. Okay? He said it perfectly. When they knocked Pippin down on that basket, and he got off to a fast start in that game, when they knocked him down and drove him into the stands, and he got right back up and just went to the line, made the free throw, came down and dunked, he was like, well, that's it. We're done. And that was the end. They were never going to beat them again. It was over for them, and the, and the Bulls were on their way. And that was that sweet. And listen, there was no love between Jordan and Isaiah, and it wasn't just because of that. It had to do with the whole NBA pecking order. It had to do with the scene. It had to do once with a thing at the All Star Game, where Isaiah, being Isaiah, belittled Jordan. That Jordan never forgot it. Jordan's never loved Isaiah. We know that. Okay, so you weren't going to have Jordan ever, ever give those bull, those Pistons any any slack for the way they walked off the court. And listen, the Celtics didn't go off the court right when the Pistons beat them. They didn't. And the Bulls didn't go off. The, the, the Pistons didn't go off the court right when the Bulls beat them. But who cares? You know what? Beating them's the thing. So they didn't shake their hands. So you showed more class than they did. Great. That's it. They didn't. Call them whatever word you want to call them and move on. And he did. And that's the way it is. But they finally got past the bullies and that was really the awakening of the dynasty. That's where the dynasty started. That is where it started. And I always liked the Rodman years better, and I'll tell you why. I know the other story was about Rodman. I didn't see it. I didn't see the Rodman episode. But I'll give you my – I loved watching Rodman play. And I used to go – anytime they played in New York, I went – Doug and I used to always have the same seats. We'd always sit on the baseline right near the Bulls bench, about three seats underneath the, the basket uh, to the left of the bench, underneath the basket on, on that end of the court. That's where Doug and I would always sit and watch the games. That was our seat. And I never missed a ball game, ever. And Doug and I used to go do their playoff games a lot. And we'd, if the Knicks were there, we'd go to all those games. And so we loved seeing the Bulls. And I liked the Bulls better than the Doug did, but I loved, and I loved watching that team played defense. And I was and Rodman, Rodman, if you like basketball, is a fascinating study. I mean, I could live without all the nonsense that he tried to do to promote himself off the court. That went in one ear and out the other. I could care less who he was dating, marrying, dressing like, whatever. I could I could care less, okay? I don't care what, what he took from the Madonna playbook. I could I could care less. But I'll tell you this. Here's the thing that you took from from those teams. You knew what Jordan brought to the game. You knew the exquisite skills that Pippen brought to the game. But what was underrated was twofold about those teams. Number one, how good they were on defense and how freakishly athletic Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman were. Here were three guys who... Among the three of them, probably had a collective body fat of about, about you know, 15% counting the three of them together. They were in phenomenal shape. They never tired. They played exhaustively on defense. And Rodman, believe it or not, 
was probably the one freakishly who tired the least. Rodman was a freak of nature. He would go up and down that court. He would play great defense. He would go after every rebound. Now, was there times he lost concentration? Yeah, absolutely. He was Rodman. There was some goofy games sometimes. But my point is he was a – and then you'd see him after the game and he'd be on a bike. After playing crazy minutes, getting huge numbers on the backboards, playing suffocating defense, and he'd be on a bike after the game. This guy never tired. None of them did. Jordan, Pippen, Rodman were freaks physically. They were tireless performers. And these guys all logged major minutes. And remember, Jordan's role was to carry the load on offense. Pippen's role was to be the point forward, carry the load on offense, finish with the dunk, shoot an occasional three where he blew hot and cold, which you know, and play great defense. But he could do all that because he ran the floor incredibly and he handled incredibly well. There's nothing he couldn't do. He's a great passer. He could handle unbelievably. And he was the best perimeter defender I think I ever saw. I've always said that other than, other than Bill Russell, I think he's the best all-around defender in the history of the league. For what he could do to a team and to a game. He could take teams away defensively. With what he did. Rodman was also the most annoying figure because he could just, he was tireless in how much he would go to work on driving somebody mad. And that was fascinating. I used to love to watch those guys. Love to watch them. And they were, I mean, listen, was Rodman goofy? Yeah, he was really goofy. But what, what he could do in the area of rebounding and defense was just incredibly, and he was such a smart player. He, some players just have a sixth sense. He had it. He had an instinct about the game that you don't teach. First of all, how would you teach him anyway? I don't think his attention span could be possibly could be taught. This was all stuff he knew. You didn't teach him to do the things he did on the basketball floor. He did them instinctively. And that made him the rarest of players. And there was a guy who could be incredibly important to a team performance and score two points. And maybe not attempt a shot. Maybe go back up with a layup. And get, maybe you got to go back up with an offensive rebound and get fouled. I mean, other than that, maybe not attempt a shot. They don't run a play for him, ever. I mean, just one of the more unusual. I mean, they were all... First of all, there's Jordan's brilliance. There's Pippen's versatility and explosiveness. And then there's what Rodman brought. It was fascinating to watch. It really was. And they all were that, you know, between, you know, Jordan's like 6'5", Pippen's like 6'7"-ish, and Rodman's a little bigger than that. And, I mean, and you know, whatever he was, maybe 6'8". I don't know what Rodman was exactly. 6'8", 6'9", whatever he was. But the thing was they were just in great shape. And the versatility that they brought and what they could do defensively was unbelievable. It really was. And that's what made them great. And they filled the gaps perfectly because what, what Jordan was going to do was he was going to, he was going to take – he was going to pressure the other team defensively all night. 
make you take the ball out of his hands, beat you off the dribble when you relaxed, he would beat you immediately with a fast basket. If you relaxed for one second, he would score off whoever you relaxed with. with. You had to get the ball out of his hands. When you did, he'd often come back and get it anyway and score. And then what he didn't do, Pippen excelled at, and what Pippen needed help at, Rodman excelled at. And that made them a very, with a bunch of role players, a very unique team. Uh, that's why I like those three teams better than the other teams. Back after this. All right, we're back. Brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, Susan and John coming up at 6.30 with the Yankee stuff. Sounds like Joe Girardi will be there too. So listen to that. Uh, listen to some baseball stuff. Now baseball, hey, you're hearing little reverberations. They can't have a plan yet because until the government has a plan, baseball sure can't have a plan. You're hearing a bunch of different things. You're hearing July 1st as a date. Who knows? We'll wait and see. Uh, and the one thing I would caution and, and give some of the baseball guys who are baseball writers uh, who have opined on the subject, and they're right, baseball's got to be very careful. In this day and age, with what we're living through with the, in this country and with the amount of people going through the hardships they're going through and with the amount of people unemployed right now, and with the country going through the crisis it's going through, nobody is going to have any tolerance for greedy billionaire owners and greedy millionaire players fighting over every last dollar in baseball. And the baseball players took an agreement. They're splitting up, I think, $170 million for April and May. They think they've already got a deal to be paid in full the rest of the year. The owners say, no, 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 we still have to negotiate if there's not going to be players and fans in the stands. No, no, no. If they get into this in a huff, if they get any of their union people or any of the big mouth agents who make the wrong statement, they will live the regret they made that statement. Because if you think America is going to have any tolerance for baseball players or owners be, ha, having one iota of empathy for any player who right now has to get by on $4,775 a day until March, May 31st, get by, as a couple of them have called it, get by on $4,775 a day. All right, or an owner saying, hey, I'm not going to lose money unless I get every dollar from the ticket money, which is you know, about $4 billion of their revenue. And the player saying, no, no, you have to pay us in full even if we don't have any fans in the stands, which is ridiculous. Okay? The owners will get the sympathy from the, uh, from the public because the player's stand is outrageous. But no one wants to hear from either side. No one wants to hear from rich owners or wealthy players in this day and age about what's going on, okay? So do not get into that squabble publicly because it will come down on both your houses. You're better off going away for the rest of the summer than to get into that fight publicly. And it sounds like they're heading for that fight. They have to be smarter than to get in that fight. That's a fight they cannot have right now because it's a fight that neither side can win. Now, do I think the, the 
players would come off looking more greedy because the premise is that it's already been agreed upon and the players get paid. But you cannot expect the owners to make up the money if there's no fans in the stands. That is still the biggest part of baseball's revenue is the receipts and the revenues they get from game receipts, local TV and radio, and, of course, beer and parking, etc. That's still the bulk. That's not the bulk in the NFL. That is the bulk. The national TV money does not make you whole in baseball. It does in football. So football could have a scenario where they could get by without having fans in the stands. They don't want to, but they could. Baseball can't. Baseball could only on a discount. They couldn't and pay everybody because there are teams that have models where they would lose, you know, actually lose a couple hundred thousand dollars every two weeks based on that kind of premise with no fans in the stands. Now, one other thing I've been asked about a lot, and I got some information on last night, and I'll give you what I have already. Uh, I've been asked about Saratoga. All I know so far is this. There's no sales at Saratoga this year. And the biggest reason why is many of the buyers come from, they come from Japan, they come from the Middle East, they come from Ireland. They can't get to America right now. So with that being the case, they won't have those sales, which are international. There's an international clientele for those sales for those yearlings. That's not happening. So the yearling sales are not happening in Saratoga. Now, that takes a lot of steam out of Saratoga, number one. Number two, the jockey colony has been, we've been told as owners to start to put our horses into training. So that's begun. Lee Einslider, who runs our stable and handles the day-to-day of which we have seven horses between us. Rick Patino owns a couple of them, two with us. Uh, we've put our horses in the training. Now, uh, thinking about Saratoga. Now, also with Bill Mott. The uh, plan right now is that there will be racing in Saratoga. You figured there would be for this reason. Saratoga racing is the jewel of thoroughbred racing. The simulcast wagering across the country and around the world, but especially across the country, on Saratoga races every day is enormous. People want to bet Saratoga. They bet Saratoga in every racetrack in the country. They sit there and bet the product at Saratoga because it's so good. So everybody bets Saratoga racing. So Saratoga racing would do a big number and would be worth everybody's while, even if there were no fans in the stands. Now, having Saratoga with no fans is like having Yankee games with no fans. It just doesn't work. I mean, there's no ambiance. It doesn't seem like the same sport. I understand that. But they will have, they have an economic reason, just like the NFL will have, an economic reason to have the event because of how successful the product is in simulcasting. Every track has wagering from Saratoga offered at their track. So if you go to any track in the country, you can wager that day at the window on Saratoga as well as wager at the track in front of you. So that's done at every track in America and a lot of tracks around the world. So that makes it in a very attractive from that standpoint. So all we know right now is we are being told there will be racing. We don't know if there will be any fans in the stands. That we don't know yet. And if Belmont doesn't open, I would... If Belmont doesn't open, and I don't know about Belmont yet, of whether it's going to open for the spring-summer meet or not. I don't know that. Um, if it doesn't, 
I would think they would open Saratoga earlier and just set Saratoga up as a TV studio and maybe have it run from the 4th of July to Labor Day and run the races there as a TV studio. You know, basically it'll be the world's most beautiful uh, TV studio. And that could be how it goes this summer. I don't know. That that I don't know. But I do think they will be racing there. I So if you're an owner, I think you can plan on racing there. If you're someone who likes to wager on the races, I think you will be able to do that. As far as going to Saratoga, that I can't offer you yet as a possibility. I don't know. That one still remains like so many things that we're looking at these days, like baseball and everything else, very much up in the air day to day. Until we have a plan that we can, until we can turn on the TV and see the governors at noon and the president at six and see some kind of plan that makes some sense, talking about sports having a plan is rather moot because the country's got to have a plan first and it doesn't look like they have one yet. When they have one, then we can see these leagues and all the different sports start to have one. So until we start to see something that's concrete, that we can all look at and follow. When that starts, then we'll be on the road back. We'll keep our fingers crossed and keep hoping and praying that when we wake up tomorrow, something will have changed. That's all you can do is just hope tomorrow is going to be a better day. That's all you can do, and that's what we do right now, is get through today and hope that tomorrow is a little better and hope that the things we love to watch and do and see are going to happen in the very near future. So that's what we do. Just put an optimistic uh, spin on it and hope for the best. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, Baseball, coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.